following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church in Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. The game where you, our studio audience, chooses which advice is the best advice from four reliable sources. Now, here's our host, Wise Choosely. Hello and welcome to Choose Wisely. I am your host, Wise Choosely, and this is the game show where you, our studio audience, get to decide on the best course of action for some difficult situations. Now today we will be hearing from our panel of experts and you will cast your vote by applause. Let's have a practice round, shall we? Let's hear your applause. Wonderful, that scored an 80, oh, a 90 on my handy little choose-o-meter here. Now, our panel of experts today uh, includes four commonly sought-after sources of wisdom. First, we have ancient wisdom. This is that of philosophers and sages that has stood the test of time. Second, we have cultural wisdom that is reflected in various artistic mediums. And it reflects the current culture and our current beliefs and values in our culture today. Third, we have neighborly wisdom, represented by this randomly selected stranger. And fourth and finally, biblical wisdom. This is found by blindly selecting a scripture from the Bible. It's also known as following the faithful finger, prayerful pointing, the divine digit, and the anointed appendage. All right, like I said, today we will hear some difficult situations from our viewers who have phoned in to ask our advice. And you, the studio audience, after hearing the problem and hearing the advice, you will choose which path to follow. So without any further ado, let's hear from our first viewer. I've been having frequent arguments with my next-door neighbors. They don't like my dogs, they think my tree is leaning too much on their property, and they come over to complain when we have company past 10 o'clock. How can I be a good neighbor but also get them off my back? Mm, a real head scratcher. That's a quite a common conundrum. So, ancient wisdom, what do you have to say? The individual has always had to struggle to keep from being overwhelmed by the tribe. If you try it, you'll be lonely often and sometimes frightened. But no price is too high to pay for the privilege of owning yourself. Friedrich Nietzsche. Okay. All right, cultural wisdom. This is our house. This is our rules. And we can't stop and we won't stop. Can't you see it's we who rule the night? Can't you see it's we who bout that life? We can't stop and we won't stop. We rule things. Things don't rule we. We ain't taking nothing from nobody. It's our party and we do what we want. Miley Cyrus. I thought I recognized that from my favorites list. All right, neighborly wisdom. That is really a tough one. You know, my coworker's nephew had a very similar problem, and one day he just up and moved, cleared out of there. You know, you got to decide if the fight is really worth the energy, and sometimes just a clean slate is what you need. Wait a minute. You know, now that I think about move, he was arrested. Never mind. Sorry. Well, thank you, stranger. All right, biblical wisdom. Deuteronomy 23.12, designate a place outside the camp where you can go to relieve yourself. 
<laughs> Wonderful. Well, studio audience, it's up to you. Let's hear a round of applause if you vote for ancient wisdom. Ah, all right, let's hear it for cultural wisdom. And for neighborly wisdom. And last but not least, biblical wisdom. Well, that was sad. It seems to be cultural wisdom that wins that round. All right, let's hear from our second caller. Hey, Wise. A friend of mine is about to go into a significant business partnership. The problem is, the person he's planning to work with is someone I went to school with years ago. And in the past, he's been known to be a bit of a scam artist. I don't have any proof, but I'm concerned my friend is about to be ripped off. Should I say anything? Well, that seems like a delicious dilemma. Ancient Wisdom, what's your advice? Confucius says, silence is a true friend who never betrays. Okay, cultural wisdom. I'm dishonest. And a dishonest man you can always trust to be dishonest. Honestly, it's the honest ones you have to watch out for because you can never predict when they're about to do something incredibly stupid. Captain Jack Sparrow. And also, I'd rather be rich than stupid. Jack Handy. Well, thank you for that handy bit of information, Jack. Neighborly wisdom. Oh, really? Who can say what the right thing to do is? I mean, remember that young woman from Florida a couple months ago? She was just being polite, let someone go in front of her in line at the lottery, and that decision cost her $500 million. So how do you know? I mean, maybe your friend has changed and you end up screwing up their business deal, or maybe he hasn't and then your friend blames you for keeping quiet. It's just a real catch-22, isn't it? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. All right, biblical wisdom. Mark 14:52 He fled naked leaving his garments behind Well, thank you experts. All righty. So, let's hear from our studio audience. Who votes for ancient wisdom? <laughs> All right, mixed results. Cultural wisdom. For neighborly wisdom. And finally, biblical wisdom. I think we're going to have to give that one to biblical wisdom. All right, let's hear from our third and final caller. Hi, I've been trying to learn more about God. I went to church as a child, but I don't know much about religion. What do I need to do to be a better Christian? That is quite an interesting issue. Hopefully ancient wisdom has some insight into this. Well, Gandhi said God has no religion, and Nietzsche said there is no God, so. <laughs> so, cultural wisdom, how about you? Hokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster by your side, kid. Han Solo. <laughs> Thank you very much. All righty, neighborly wisdom. Well, my grandmother always said if those church doors are open, your bottoms better be in those seats. We'd be getting saved four or five times a week. Good old grandma's advice. All right, and finally, the holy word of God. Please, please give us a nugget of knowledge. Proverbs thirteen twenty five: The righteous eat to their heart's content, 
but the stomach of the wicked goes hungry. Mm, that's some food for thought. All right, ancient wisdom, what's your vote? All right, and cultural wisdom. Not bad. Neighborly wisdom. And finally, biblical wisdom. All right, it looks like we're going to have to give that to neighborly wisdom. All right, it looks like our final score is a three-way tie with ancient wisdom trailing hopelessly behind. Thank you for watching Choose Wisely. I, again, am your host, Wise Choosely. Have a wonderful day. That reminds me of the guy who was uh, in, in desperate straits because his wife was about to give birth uh, to their first child. And so he didn't know what to do. So he called this, this hotline number uh, to talk to a doctor. And he calls him up and, and he says, uh, my wife, she's, she's in contractions. She's going to have a baby. What do we do? And so the doctor says, well, is this her first child? And he goes, no, stupid. This is her husband. Now, nobody, nobody raise your hand, nobody admit to this, but I think some people have actually tried that method of finding out the wisdom of God, right? Where you open the Bible, and you pray, and you say, oh, God, direct me here. i got to have a word. i got to know what to do. And then you pull out the finger, and you point to a verse, and you read it. Now, it's silly, right? You've done it, haven't you? I'm not going to have you raise your hands, but you've probably done that. We've done all kinds of things to figure out what we're supposed to do. Some people, what they do is they go around and they ask everybody they can the advice until they hear the advice they like to do what they want to do. And since the beginning of time, man has been in this pursuit to try and figure out what God's will is. What does God think? What does he want? How do I make this decision? And how do I make it in a way that is best for me? So today, welcome to Walk This Way. We're going to start a new series today, four weeks, short series, each week giving you one skill that you can use to know how to understand the will of God. It'll help you make good decisions. You'll never be blind again. You'll know what to do. You'll know how to make great decisions. You'll know how to hear from God and to find out what God thinks and his opinion on anything you need to do. Anything. You will know exactly what to do. And so each week we'll give you one principle, real simple to remember, easy to understand. You can master this skill and then you'll always know uh, what God's will is for your life. To start it out, I want to just kind of give the basic overview of the will of God. That topic is huge, actually. You can do a whole seminary course on the will of God and how all of that works theologically. We're not going to do that. We're going to go more practical. And maybe we'll do that other one at another time. But you have basically three components of the will of God. You have the sovereign will of God. You have the moral will of God. You have the personal will of God. Now, on the third one, under the personal will of God, there are actually two aspects to that one as well. And that is his perfect will and his permissible will. 
So let's take a look at each one of these briefly, and then I'll get to my main point, and I'll explain why you've been wandering around in the dark your whole life, why you have a difficult time making decisions, why you can't hear from God, why you've never heard, you don't know what to do, and you, know, you have a real difficult time, okay? So we'll get to that, but let's look at the overview. The sovereign will of God is the secret will of God. It's hidden from us. It's hidden from man. It's God's personal thoughts. It's the process that he goes through to make a decision and what he wants to do. And he doesn't consult anyone. He doesn't tell anyone in advance. In fact, the only way you can know the sovereign will of God actually took place is by looking backwards. And maybe you've done that before. You've thought about, oh, you know, 10 years ago, you know, when I was doing this, boy, I tell you, God really was there. He helped me. He was with me. He intervened in that situation. But when you were in it, you had no idea that that was going on. Looking back, usually it's some stupid, foolish thing that you've done. I think about that from, you know, as you get older and you have kids, you get a little more wisdom. I remember when Joy and I were dating and I was like, you know, 20 years old and had a crotch rocket. You know what that is? It's a motorcycle, goes real fast. And so we get on the motorcycle and we go on these, these drives at night. You know, you got your girl behind you, you got this big powerful motor. And, you know, we go like 90 miles an hour on these curvy roads and I was showing off. And, you know, we, I could have been killed. She could have been killed so easily. And I know looking back on that, God said, okay, we need a couple more angels. He's going to be really stupid tonight trying to win this girl over. Go help him out. But you can see that by looking back at the secret or hidden will of God. You don't know in advance. And, and it's a real danger if you try and figure that out. And some Christians want to do that. They want to find out what the secret will of God is. But God isn't revealing that. And he doesn't want to. It's none of our business. And so if we go about trying to discover that, you're going to get into trouble and you're going to discover something that is completely off base. And that happens all the time where people come up with things they think God has revealed to them when in fact he has not. Maybe you've heard those people. And they come up to you and they say, God told me, ba-da-da-da-da. Have you heard that? Maybe you're one of those people where you say, every single day God's telling you a new thing. You know, always God said this, God said that. God said, when I was in college, uh, this, this friend of mine, she, she went around and told all of my friends that God told her that we were going to get married. Problem is, he never told me. And so I didn't marry her. Messed that whole thing up. And so, you know, how do you know that in fact God is speaking to you? Or that's just something you had for dinner the night before, you know? And so we're, we're, we're really not encouraged at all in the scriptures to dive into the secret or hidden will of God. It's his sovereign will. It means God's going to do what God's going to do. There's nothing that can stop it. There's nothing that can hinder it. There's nothing that can thwart the sovereign will of God. He does it no matter what. There are things at work in the universe like gravity. And nobody can violate that principle. Except God. He can choose to. He can step in there and do whatever he wants because he's God. He's sovereign. He's in charge. Okay, that's the sovereign rule of God. The Lord has a lot to say to us. And Sarah, Sarah's running PowerPoint this morning. Just hold on, babe, okay? I mean, this, this, we're going for it. This may not work out. But. So if what I'm saying doesn't match with what you got up there, it's not her fault, okay? <laughs> Don't you blame her. Boy, that PowerPoint was really up today. God wants to speak to us. That's abundantly clear. 
In Psalm 139, it says that his thoughts towards us are more numerous than the sands of the sea. God wants to communicate with us. And so, since he is our father and he invented communication, he surely knows how to talk to us. He knows how to get our attention. And so, if he wants us to do something, then he's going to make it so that we can understand it, that we know we're hearing from God. The problem is not that he doesn't want to communicate. The problem is on our end. So the, uh, the moral will of God. The moral will of God is the will of God explained in the Bible. And it essentially means this, that God has declared his will through all the things that have been written about in the scriptures. So, for example, you might say, well, should I buy this new car that I can't afford? You don't need to ask that question. You don't need to wonder what he thinks about that. He's already spoken about that. You already know that you shouldn't buy what you can't afford. Should I move in with my girlfriend? I mean, you know, you got to test this car out before you buy it, you know, and this is good for us and good for you. You don't need to ask those questions. Answer's already been given in the scriptures. We already know what to do on that. It's God's will, how he intends it to be carried out on the face of the earth, recorded in the Bible. Now, these are not negotiable items. These are absolute and final. So in other words, you can't pull out a scripture or a verse from the Bible, you know, to the hunting point or whatever, and say, that one sounds good for me, but this one doesn't apply to me. Or rework it and try and change it so that it fits what you want or you want to do. God has given us the power to violate his moral will, but he's never given us the right to. So you can choose to do your own thing, but you don't have permission from God to do it. And so you are violating his moral will by doing your own thing. And this isn't anything you need to pray about or ask people about or question. It's right there. One hundred percent of God's moral will is outlined in scripture. It's right there. There isn't a single scenario that you can come up with where God gives you permission to violate his moral will as it's written in scripture. Simply not there. The last aspect of it is his personal will. Now, the personal will of God is exactly as it sounds. It's God's specific will towards you as a person. You specifically, your name. And it also can be a group of people as well. So God can have a specific plan for Canyon Ridge Church. Here's an example. The Apostle Paul. He was Saul. He was a Pharisee. He was chasing the church. God had a plan for him specifically. That he would be transformed. He would become a missionary. He would lead missionary journeys throughout Asia. Spread the gospel. Write some scriptures. That was the calling of God upon Paul specifically to him. In other words, it had nothing to do with anyone else. It was just his name. Now, he, because he has free will, he can violate that. So God has a specific plan. And let's say Paul just said, well, you know, I really don't want to do that. I don't have the faith for that. I'm going to become a fisherman instead. Then at that point, does God just abandon him? And let me ask you this. Is it a sin to fish? No, it is not. Okay? So here you have the difference between God's design, his perfect design for your life, 
and his permissible will. Here's another example of Joseph, how God gave him a specific plan. He got this dream and he would rule over his family and he would rule in Egypt. It was all laid out for him clearly. And then what he did is he went and took that and blabbed it all to his brothers and his father and in such a way that they hated him for it, threw him in a pit and sold him off into slavery. So it was God's plan for Joseph But the way Joseph carried out was clearly not God's plan for his life. But God didn't abandon Joseph. He worked with him through all that process along the way. And eventually he got to where he was supposed to be. And so as long as we are submitted to God, as long as we want to hear from him and do what he says, then he'll work with us in our faults and failures. So you have, in many cases, the decision is the perfect will of God. What does God have for me? Or what am I going to do? Now, you've got to understand that neither of those can violate the moral will of God or the sovereign will of God. Those two things have to be in place for you then to have a choice. I remember one time I was in deep prayer about whether or not I should marry Joy. And in my mind, I was thinking, there's only one woman on the face of the earth that is from me. And I've got to find her. Now, that was a lot of pressure, you know. How many billions of women there are? And I got to find the one needle in a haystack. So, but I, I was in love with this girl, and I wanted to marry. So I'm praying, oh God, please, please tell me. Just, am I supposed to marry her? And I got an answer from God so clear it shocked me. He said, and I remember to this day, and I quote, He said, "Marry her if you want to." And I was like, "Oh." cool. Great. You see, there wasn't a perfect, specific woman for me. Now, if if I was going to marry a non-Christian, then I would be violating the moral will of God. Because he clearly said in Scripture that a Christian should not be unequally yoked with a non-Christian. But she was a Christian. So it wasn't a sin to marry her. It wasn't the wrong choice. It was my choice. It was his permissible will. So you see now, we have the sovereign will of God, which is a secret. The moral will of God, which is written in the scriptures. And we have the permissible will, or the personal will of God, which is a, a God's will specifically to you. Now let me get to why it is so difficult for us to hear the will of God. I think there are millions of Christians who wander around blindly. They have no idea what to do. They don't know what they're called to do. They don't know what their gifts are. They have a difficult time making decisions. Here's the reason why. It's in Proverbs chapter 3, 2 verses 5 and 6. It begins with this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your path straight. So a first glance at this, my first thought is, God must really hate curvy roads. I mean, what's he got against curvy roads? That's not the point. The point is, when you're on a curvy road, you can't see what's coming. You have no idea. You can't see around the corner. And so a straight path, You can see far down the path. You can see far into the future exactly what's coming your way and you can prepare for it. 
You know what to do. You know how to maneuver. You know what decisions to make. Because the path is so straight, the future is wide open to you. As compared to a curvy road, you have no idea what's going on. All kinds of accidents and deaths happen on curvy roads. We were coming back from Leavenworth in the, in, in the summertime, and it was late at night. And a lot of curvy roads on Highway 2 going over Stevens Pass. You know those if you've been on them. And we're cruising along, and uh, we go around a corner, and there's a car right in front of me, completely stopped on the freeway. Bam! We just nailed that guy. And what happened is the guy in front of him, he was stopped. He hit him because in front of him was a whole herd of deer right on the freeway. And so you have this boom, 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 boom pile up because you're going around a corner and you have no idea what's there. So God is saying, listen, if you'll do three things, I'll open your path so you can see what's coming. What are those three things? He said right there, trust you got to trust me. you got to trust me with all of your heart. you got to trust that I'm good and I have a good plan for your life and I'm going to look out for you and I'm going to care for you. You need to trust me. That's the first step. The second thing is you can't lean on your own wisdom. Don't trust in your own strength and your own brilliance and you know, all your gifts and your power and your talent and you know, your experience, don't put all of your trust on that. You, those are good tools to use. But you don't put your trust that. You don't lean on that. And the last one is surrender to the Lord. Surrender. This really reveals why we don't know what we're doing. Because we don't want to know. We don't really want to know. What we want from God is we want Him to reveal all this information to us so that we can decide whether or not we're going to obey. And in fact, many times we already know in the back of our mind exactly how we're going to choose. But we really would just like to have a little bit of extra options from God. Sometimes God has spoken to us. He's told us what to do, made it very clear verified through his moral will written in scriptures, and we said no. And then later on, time goes by, we come back to that, and we say, God, God, I want to know, I need to know, you got to tell me, you got to show me how to make this decision. And we hear nothing. Because God is still back at that previous time when you chose to not obey. You see, You don't have a straight path until you have a heart that's surrendered. Until you have an attitude and a heart that says, I will obey, Lord, no matter what you tell me. I'm ready. I'll do it. You know, uh, people who are broken and, and, uh, I mean, they've just gone through hell and they're just hurting and broken, they hear from God super easy because they've gotten to that point where they said, you know what, it can't get any worse. I'll just do whatever you say, God. I'm there. And maybe you remembered you've been in that place, that place of I'm at the end of my rope. I'll do whatever you say, God. And then it opened up and it was clear what you're supposed to do. Why not live your whole life that way? Why not live a surrendered, willing heart? Lord, I'm willing to obey. 
so that I can see what I should do. And your path will open up to you. You will find that it's easy to make decisions and you know exactly what to do. In fact, everybody around you can be confused. This is a complex thing. What are we supposed to do? And you know exactly what to do. Because your heart is completely surrendered. You're trusting Him. You're not leaning on your own wisdom. And you've surrendered your choices to God's will. Think about this. If somebody came to you and said, I really need your advice, I need your help, but I want to just let you know up front, I'm not going to do anything you say. Would you help that person? I wouldn't. I waste my time. Say, fine, forget it. You know, my kids come to me for help, but what they don't re- they don't really want my help. They want my permission to do what they want. And in those cases, I'd rather just offer them discipline than advice. And so we really, we really don't want to know. We want to do our own thing. And because of it, the path that we walk in life is so full of curves that we're constantly being hit with one thing after another because we're walking blindly and we cannot see and we don't know what to do. Constantly making wrong decisions, constantly getting hit off guard, constantly also flying in that you didn't know about because the heart isn't surrendered to listen. Here's an example of this. It's in 1 Peter. And 1 Peter gives this great warning, chapter 3 and verse 7. You should look it up sometime, especially you men. Uh, he says, listen... The moral will of God is that you should treat your wife and love her in the same way that Christ loves the church. Treat her with respect, love her, honor her, cherish her. And if you won't, your prayers will be hindered. In other words, you may pray about stuff. Lord, I really need to know what to do in my career. I really need to make a business decision here. And you will hear nothing because you're violating his moral will over here with your wife. You see, going to God with your own decisions made up, it'd be like going to Russell Wilson. Yeah, Seahawks. And saying, I would like to learn how to throw the football. And you have no clue. I mean, you're not a football player. But he's nice, and so he says, okay, I'll show you. And you say, okay. You know, he shows you. You say, well, you know, Russell, let me, I could, I could show you a thing or two. I, I, you know, I've watched a few games. I know some things here. You know, that's what we're doing with God. Or we're treating him like he's our genie, you know. He's going to follow me around, and whenever I need his advice, boom, he's there to give it to me. What pair of pants should I wear today, God? How should I comb my hair? What parking spot do I have? He's not your Santa Claus. He's not your spiritual vending machine where you throw in a prayer, and out comes the answer. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And he looks for our submission to that lordship. And when we're in that submission, he makes our path so clear, so straight, no foggy, and we see what to do and how to live. 
Now, if you're probably really depressed right now, <laughs> let me give you some encouragement. Psalm chapter 40. Psalm 40 is written by King David, a guy who made a few mistakes. And, and what I love about this is, and here, this read it to you. He says, troubles surround me. Sound familiar? Too many to count. I was doing that the other day. I was trying to count all the threats that I have. And I was like, wow. My sins pile up so high I can't see my way out. You ever feel that way? They outnumber the hairs on my head. So unless you're bald, you're in trouble. And I've lost all courage. I think a lot of us feel that way. And when we hear that we will only know the will of God if we obey... We're terrified. Because we know we really don't obey on most things. And so let me tell you, God works with the heart that says, I'm willing, I'm open. I don't have all the faith I need, and I don't obey all the time, but Lord, I want to. Teach me how to obey. Change my heart. Help me to be a person who surrendered to you because I'm tired of running into things. And I want to see clearly my future and know what to do. And that's the kind of person that God can work with. Next week, I'll teach you another principle about how to uh, navigate through life uh, using a, a very specific tool that God has given for us in his word. But here, let's just do this practice to remember what today's is. It's very simple. Uh, if you bow, right, you're in submission. You're, it's an act of surrender, right? We all agree on that? So surrendering to his will allows me to hear his voice and know what to do. All right? So do that with me. Just in your seats where you're sitting, okay? Surrender to his will. Put your, go, go, yeah. Let's try again. Some of you got that. Not everybody. Your hands up like this. Okay. Surrender to his will so you can hear what he's saying to you. All right now, hopefully, you'll never forget that as long as you live. And the next time somebody goes like this and like this, you'll remember this talk today. And you'll go, oh, yeah, I need to obey the Lord. I need to surrender if I want to see what's coming down the path. Now, if you don't, and you love being hit with stuff all the time and being clueless and walking in the dark, then fine, forget about it. But if you want to know, this is the secret. 